Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, this is John Sadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for Late Night Reds Talk. Hey, what's going on? Welcome in to another edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live, part of the Believe Network, sponsored as always by our friends at Bet Online. My name is Nick Kirby. So excited to have you with us tonight. Tim Daniel is off covering college basketball. Maybe not college basketball, it's like some sort of TBT, half college basketball, half pro basketball. But he's doing that, doing his thing tonight. But I am joined by my main man, Carlos Guevara. Carlos, what do you Somebody. think about the uh the the mic'd up pitchers last night for the All Star game. I thought that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool for uh, you know casual fan to kind of see what the pitcher and catcher dynamic is and how how hard it is to to uh, execute those pitches and you know sometimes they miss and sometimes they get away with it sometimes they miss sometimes they don't so it's it's pretty cool but you can kind of tell how winded those guys get like yeah they're not used to having to speak they're yeah. used to speaking in their minds to themselves like that but. Not actually saying it and just exerting that extra energy, but I thought it was really, really cool. I think I think they did a great job with that. Yeah, yeah, finally did something right with uh, with uh, the commissioner's office and the broadcast, so that was cool. All right, yeah, well, what, sorry, real quick, but that's what uh, Colin Cowherd was talking about today. That uh, you know, Fox has done a really good job. You know, they said, "Hey, let's go play baseball in a cornfield." You know that worked really well, and you know this kind of stuff they did with the All Star Game. It's, it's been pretty good getting MLB to, you know, broaden the horizon a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, good for them on that. We've got an awesome show tonight. Uh, Doug Gray is going to be on here in just a minute. Uh, going to recap the draft. We're going to bug him about the uh, uh, the top prospects. Big news today. We'll get to in just a minute. Uh, on that, but let's uh, first say a quick word about our sponsors. Uh, Late Night Reds Talk is presented as always by our partners, Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp just right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe to get started and the bonus will get you right into the action. Bet online is where the game starts. And we are also proudly presented by our new friends over at Black River Baseball Cards. Uh, you can find them over at blackriverbaseballcards.ecrater.com. Uh, baseball cards are back and Black River Baseball Cards is your number one spot to find the hits. Looking for Joey Votto cards? We have them. Looking for Tyler Stevenson, Luis Castillo, or Barry Larkin cards? Got those too. How about a Reds team lot for a new collector? Of course we got that. BlackRiverBaseballCards.ecrater.com has everything from vintage cards, color parallels, refractors, autos, relics, rookies, and more. And for late night Reds talk live listeners, Black River Baseball Cards is offering 10% off any order. Just go to blackriverbaseballcards.ecrater.com and use the promo code late night reds at the checkout to get 10% off your order. Go follow Black River Baseball Cards on Twitter for more special deals 
at Black River BC one. Uh, so thanks again to Black River Baseball Cards for their sponsorship of Late Night Reds Talk Live. All right, without further ado, let's get him in. This is Mr. Doug Gray. Doug, what's going on? Just hanging out, ready to talk some baseball. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, absolutely. Carlos. Absolutely. Finally got you on. Is there? There's no minor league on at all tonight, right? None. None whatsoever. Um, not even the kids down in the DSL played today, which I, I was a little bit surprised by that because they played Monday and Tuesday. It just happened to be just a regular off day for them. But, yeah, everybody else, well, the uh, the Arizona Complex League starts up tomorrow and everybody else starts up on Friday. Nice, nice. Well, thanks so much, Doug, for coming on and joining us. I know this is a crazy busy week for you with the draft, but uh, always appreciate your insight. Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, Red's uh, first round pick at 18, Cam Collier, uh, third baseman uh, out of Florida, uh, 17 years old, right, Doug? Yeah, uh, you know, he followed, a, I guess you might want to call it the Bryce Harper plan, where he uh, you know, got his GED early and decided to go play at a junior college so he'd become draft eligible earlier than he would be if he had stayed in high school. Pre-draft rankings had him crazy high. Like He was number two in the Athletic Baseball America. The gold standard had him at seven. First off, Doug, before we kind of get into him and his skill set, why the heck did the Reds get him at 18? <laughs> Explain that to me. Well, I mean, we don't really know for sure why he slid down, but the assumption is that, you know, the Reds basically told him pre-draft probably, allegedly, hey, we'll offer you X amount of dollars to sign with us. And if somebody doesn't draft him by, you know, in the the top three or four for whatever reason, that, you know, maybe he tells those teams, hey, this is how much I want to sign. And if they're not willing to meet that for whatever reason – uh, and, you know, in Major League Baseball, you have draft pool bonus slots. So you can't just spend whatever you want. You have a certain amount of money you're allowed to spend overall. Um, and, you know, teams try and come with de- come, you know, come together with deals with guys to try and get them to fall down. Um, and I, I, that's probably what happened here. Uh, you know, he probably said, hey, I want – we'll just throw a number. We'll say $6 million to sign. And some teams are like, well, you know, if we're drafting at number five, that's, that's a little bit more than we're wanting to pay. And so – you know, he, they passed up on him. And once you get past a couple of spots, a big bonus like that, it's it's going to cause, you know, a guy to, to fall a little bit. And the Reds, thanks to their, you know, Nick Castellanos extra draft pick and their small market competitive balance draft pick, they had a lot more money than teams outside of the top, you know, six or seven to work with. So they were able to really, I mean, again, I'm just assuming this is what happened, to work their, you know, bonus pool money into getting a guy who was, who was allegedly – way like way better than what they should have had available to them so that would just kind of be on a case-by-case basis too with the player whether they're willing to um you know have a a a pick number lower associated with them some guys might be like yeah no i'd rather just be the higher pick maybe take a little less money kind of work like that at all or i I mean i guess it could but you really can be like, you know what? I'd rather be the number four pick and get a million dollars less. I don't, I don't think any teenager, early twenties guy is really going to think like that. Um, I mean, maybe somebody who, you know, has, you know, let's, you know, let's just take a guy like, uh, you know, Max Scherzer, for example. He's making you know forty-two million dollars a year, but he signed on a, on a shorter-term deal, so he doesn't have the quote-unquote, you know, biggest contract ever. But he kind of does. Um, if you're already made, you're kind of set. You can kind of work that. I'd be really surprised if somebody in the draft were like, you know what, let's take less money just so we can say, oh, we're the number two pick instead of the number 17 pick. Doesn't make any sense to me. 
But yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm an idiot, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> no, we care. We appreciate your insight on that. Uh, uh, you know, definitely when you see a guy, you know, up in the top ten going down to eighteen, you kind of question why that is. And I, you know, knew a little bit, but you know, didn't have the full picture. So I appreciate that. So tell us about the player. Tell us about uh, uh, Cam, the player. I mean, he's got all the tools you want to see. Uh, you know, defensively. You know, he's, he's probably, you know, going to be a third baseman, maybe a first baseman if he really grows out of the position. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to get a ton of defensive value, uh, is, you know, like if you're a shortstop or a center fielder. But, you know, if he's if, if he plays as projected, he's a quality third baseman. But really, the, the, the selling tool here is he can hit. Uh, you know, he might have the best hit tool in the entire draft, and he's got plenty of power. Um, you know, he's a guy who, like we said, graduated early, went to – played junior college as a 17-year-old. He should have been a high school junior this year, and he was playing junior college baseball. He went and played in the Cape Cod Baseball League against some of the best players or the best college players in the country. Um, I mean, he's just so far advanced for a quote-unquote high school kid, uh, which you know, it's weird calling him that because he go to junior college. But, I mean, again, he's he's younger than the, you know most of the guys that signed in January in the international signing period for the Reds. Um, I mean, he's just... He, he really, I mean, there's a reason he was ranked number two by the athletic. I mean, he's got everything you want to see. He's very young, but he seems to get it. Um, you know, his, his father played in the major leagues for quite a while. So, you know, he's got that pedigree that, you know, we kept seeing on draft night pop up with, you know, the top, I think the top four guys were all sons of former major leaguers. Um, just, I, I don't know. He, he's, he's got it all. All right, so the most annoying question I'm sure to a prospect guy is uh, when can we expect him? I see Bryce Harper, you know, he was up at 19. Uh, uh, could, could Cam Collier be up here in 2024, 2025, or are we, we looking a lot farther than that? I mean, you never know, but, I mean, I think 2024 will be really pushing it. I mean, in 2025, he'll start the season at age 20. I mean, that's that's a really, really fast timeline. Even for somebody that is, you know, projected to be, you know, one of the top players in the draft and somebody who's, you know, they're, they're very polished, so to speak. I mean, again, we're talking about a kid who's 17. He's not going to turn 18 until after this season is over. I mean, that's, that's a really, really quick push. Um, but I mean, you, you never know. I mean, like, like we saw with, you know, a guy like Ellie De La Cruz who went from, you know, somebody that even I hadn't heard of, you know, 54 weeks ago, I had no idea who Ellie De, De La Cruz was. And now he's, one of the best prospects in baseball. You know, weird things do happen like that, but expecting it to happen that quickly, I, I think you're asking a bit too much. I mean, maybe 2025 at some point, 2026 is more realistic. Again, he'd be 20 and 21 years old at that point. Where, where is he going to report to? Um, I mean, he he's not signed yet. Um, now the signing deadline is. Uh, August first, so it's not like oh, okay. you know, we're gonna we're gonna sit around and wait too long for, for these guys to sign. Uh, I don't think there's any concern about him signing or not. Uh, with with his age, I, I think that well, I mean, I'm sure he's going to get a first assigned to the Arizona Complex League. Um, I I just I don't think they'll they'll push him anywhere else. Uh, again, he's just 17 years old. Everything's a little bit more structured in Arizona than it would be even in a place like Daytona. Um, and they, they, you know, they don't have anywhere else to send them other than those two places, I don't think. So I, I think they'll probably spend time in Arizona. If we look at the, the way they did things last year, um, because of the amount of time the guys took off after college or their high school season to the draft, because the draft is so late now, um, the Reds specifically wanted to be very careful with pushing guys too too much after a longer layoff. 
Um, you know, he, he probably will play every other day, um, probably for the first month. And then, you know, I mean, there's only going to be six or seven weeks of the season left anyways after he signs. Um, and so I, I think that they're probably going to keep him in Arizona just because they can, they can handle things a little bit better down there. Well, Cam Collier, number one uh, pick for the Reds. Uh, definitely a very exciting uh, player, and uh, let's uh, root for the best for him. Let's uh, touch on a couple of the other top picks. Uh, Sal Stewart, uh, he was the uh, the Reds' second pick, the comp pick, as Doug mentioned earlier, for uh, losing Nick Castellanos. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, Sal Stewart uh, crushing balls at Coors Field, uh, go to the uh, the brand-new account, Reds on the Rise, Uh uh, the Reds uh, started an official minor league uh, highlight account, which is really, really cool. Uh, tell us a little bit about Sal Stewart, and uh, uh, when is he going to be launching balls out of GABP? I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of a similar profile to Cam Collier. Um, you know, a little bit lesser across the board, uh, but, you know, you've got you know a third baseman, which I know a lot of people kind of freaked out about, like, oh, why are they drafting two back-to-back first basemen that are roughly the same age? I, they'll figure it out especially this low of a level, they're not, they're not concerned about, you know, do we have too many guys to play third base? You know, they'll, they'll figure that out, but you know, he's a guy who's more bat over defense, which again, that's not, not really a rub on either one of the guys. It's just, you know, they're corner infield guys. Um, But you know, he's very well uh, perceived to understand the strike zone, good plate discipline can definitely hit and he's got power. Um, It's just going to be a, you know, a matter of waiting around for, because he's a high school kid. You know, he, he's going to need some time to develop. So the Reds' first two picks, both high schoolers, do you get any sense that there's anything to that? Was this just they felt these were the best two guys? Do you get any any sense about about that direction at all? Not really. I, I think that generally speaking, especially, in the, you know, in the first 10 rounds, you're just you're taking the guy that's the top guy on your board that you believe you can sign. Um, now, the, the draft used to be a lot longer than it is now. Um, and so you, you probably don't see it too much anymore, but not until you get into the later rounds or teams drafting to kind of just fill needs, even needs in the minor league levels, uh, like they used to when there were 40 and 50 rounds. Generally speaking, you're, you're picking guys that you think you can sign that are the best players on your board. And then the, the third pick, Logan Tanner. Uh, Red seemed like always draft a catcher somewhere around this range and, you know, uh, out of Mississippi State. Big defensive first guy, right? Uh, bats kind of a hit or miss. Is that that what I'm getting at? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, definitely the the defense is ahead of the offense at this point. I'm not as sold on him coming around at the plate as some other people are. But again, as a catcher, you don't have to hit nearly as much as you do anywhere else on the field because hitting is such a secondary asset that teams are looking for out of the catching position. And when it comes to defense. I mean, he's the best defensive catcher in the draft. And, I mean, one scout I talked to said he's got the best arm of any catcher in the last couple of drafts. Uh, you really, really like that. Now, the thing that concerns me a little bit, I mean, you know, he did play at a, a, a relatively big-time school, but he never hit over 287 in college. What's that going to translate to when you're facing professional pitchers every day? <sighs> I don't know. The defense better be good. That's that that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but you know, I, as I've said it on social media, I've said it in writing before. You know, the Major League Baseball draft isn't like the NFL or the NBA draft. In Major League Baseball draft, if you get one everyday regular, not even like All Star caliber above average, if you get a regular everyday starting player or starting pitcher, 
and one bench guy slash reliever out of the draft, you did better than most of your counterparts. Uh, expecting to get multiple big leaguers that aren't more than up and down guys out of one draft, you're asking a lot. It does happen, um, but it, it, it's a really big ask to do that consistently because it really doesn't happen that way on a regular basis for, for one organization. Did you get any insight into Tanner in his uh, drop between his, I'm assuming his, his junior and senior, or is that his sophomore and junior season? Uh, 2021, he had a 907 OPS. 2022 is down to 815. 15 home runs down to seven. Um, about close to the same amount of uh, plate appearance. Did you get any insight into what, what the drop-off was? As far as I know, there there wasn't really any injury issue between the, the sophomore and junior year. Uh, you know, his, his slugging percentage dropped off 100 points. I, I noted that in the uh, in the write-up that I did. Um, I, I didn't see any information about a, an injury. Talking with the scouting director, he didn't mention anything about an injury. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just one of those things. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, the guy that, you know, that has a good rookie year, they talk about, you know, sometimes they'll have that sophomore slump. Well, maybe that's what this was, but it was a junior slump. Okay, very good. All right, and then kind of looking here at the the rest of the draft, anyone else uh, after the first three picks for the Reds uh, stand out to you or a name you really think we should keep our um, our eyes on? So I, I think that the biggest guy that to really keep an eye on because he came after the 10th round, and that's kind of in, in rounds 11 through 20, you kind of get into this weird situation with the bonus pool money. Uh, you, you can sign guys up to $125,000 after that, and it doesn't count towards your overall bonus pool. But if you spend more than $125,000, all the money over that goes towards your bonus pool. The guy that the Reds drafted in the 11th round, Ben Broody, uh, he rated way higher than in the 11th round. Um, I, I think that he's a guy that they would like to sign if they've got any extra money laying around after they get some of their other guys signed. Um, he would be a big get for them if they can sign him. Uh, I, I think that it's going to come down to what they can get Cam Collier and Sal Stewart for because those are going to be the, the big money guys. And you know, I, I think that Collier's probably going to take more than the three point six something million dollars that his slot um, is allotted for. If they've got any extra money, he's the guy. All right, very good. All right, let's move on to the uh, the current crop. Uh, big news of the day was Ellie De La Cruz uh, has been promoted to Chattanooga. Some rumblings of that before. Uh, the Futures game, of course, De La Cruz and uh, Andrew Abbott performed in the Futures game. Uh, let's start off with with let's start off with De La Cruz. I don't know why was why we start anywhere else. Uh, tell us about the De La Cruz promotion. Any other insight into uh, De La Cruz as he kind of moves on to Chattanooga? I mean, I, honestly, I was surprised that they didn't do that thing that they often do at the Futures game, and they did with a few guys this year too. Uh, you know, after his his loan at bat in the Futures game because it's only a seven inning game for. God, who, who knows why. Um, they didn't announce that he was being promoted there. Uh, I feel like that we kind of all knew it was going to happen. We were just kind of waiting for the official word. Um, you know, what else can you ask from a guy? He hit over 300. He slugged 610. He's got 20 steals, 28 stolen bases. He's only, he's only one of two guys in minor league baseball right now that are in the 2020 club. I mean, he's just, he does everything, and he, he makes it look so effortless. Um, you know, somebody asked the other day, like, is, is he the most impressive, the best prospect you've seen? And the only guy that, at least from a position standpoint, that I can even come close to comparing it to is Jay Bruce. 
Um, and I, I know that some people were sitting there scratching their head a little bit because Jay Bruce didn't quite turn out to be as good as number one prospect in baseball Jay Bruce was expected to be, which, you know, it's kind of a shame given how good Jay Bruce's career turned out to be in the big leagues. But, you know, I, Ellie's got better tools than that. The production just isn't quite the same yet. And that's only because, you know, we're still in July of Ellie De La Cruz's, you know, first full season. Whereas, you know, when it was Jay Bruce's big breakout season at the same age, mind you, uh, you know, he got to double A at midseason and they just tore the cover off the ball and they promoted him to triple A within two and a half weeks. And then he, he finished out the season there hitting like 360 with power. So, I mean, I think that that would be asking a lot of Ellie De La Cruz, but um, I mean, he's just, he he's a special kind of prospect. It doesn't come around too often. Yeah, finally got to see one game of Ellie De La Cruz end up being his last last game with Dayton. Uh, what are the chances of that here up in uh, the Cleveland area? Uh, yeah, I I would agree. Very effortless. That that's a great way of describing him. Just the way he runs the bases and just a massive massive dude. Uh, I'm interested to see, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Doug. You know, from from just you know my my one game getting to see him up close. Uh, obviously the tools just, they fly off the charts. It's, it's so easy to see. Did have a couple pretty rough at bats. I I don't know if, uh, you know, some of that's, you know, he's just been beating the crap out of these, these poor, uh, uh, pitchers. Um, or if, you know, the, it just, it's rough. I'm curious, do you expect that maybe he's going to struggle some at Chattanooga. I know he has about a 30% strikeout rate. Do you kind of see maybe there'll be an adjustment period here? Maybe this will be the first time he kind of struggles in a while. I mean, I, to be, I, I just want to start out and preface this. He struggled last September. Uh, you know, he went through, you know, the first couple of months of the season last year and just tore the cover off the ball last September. He really got into a big slump. Um, so it won't be the first time that he struggles, but I don't think that it's a realistic expectation for him to continue on the, on the same path, at least right out of the gate in double A, because pitchers are better there. You know, double A is the level where you start seeing, I don't want to say every pitcher that can locate a breaking ball, but a lot more can. And for a guy that struggles a little bit with, you know, strike zone awareness, reading spin, whatever the issue is going to be that leads to their higher strikeout rate. Um, that That's kind of something that they need to learn to adjust. Now, with Ellie De La Cruz, we started to see that the last six or seven weeks uh, in Dayton. You know, I think that was there was a stretch between like mid-May and the first week of June where he walked once, and then he walked like fifteen times over the next thirty games. Uh, he he really started to kind of make that adjustment. You could see, you know, where if he faced a good pitcher who would, you know, they, they'd have their way with him, and it, well, it didn't happen often, but you know, they'd really kind of get him to chase something really off the plate. Well, the next time he came to the plate, they'd try that same thing. And he didn't do it. Um, I think there's always going to be some swing and miss there. I mean, he's six foot five. It, it does take some time to get the bat through the zone when you've got long levers like that. Um, it's very rare to have a guy that's that big to, that makes a ton of contact just because, you know, the, the mechanics of it don't really work um, as well for guys who's got short arms. Um, but, you know, he's been making the adjustment. And you, if you've watched him, on a roughly daily basis here this year, you can see that. And that that's, what's really exciting is it's not a situation where he's just, you know, eating fastballs 
And, you know, he's just anytime anybody makes a mistake with a fastball, he crushes it. That's that's not what's happening here. I mean, he is crushing fastballs, but, uh, you know, he, he is making those adjustments. You've been able to see it if you watch him consistently. So I, I do think that he is going to, I don't want to say struggle necessarily in double A. I think it's going to be more of a challenge for him. But I did like, you know, to see that he was making those adjustments before he got the promotion. The next guy that kind of stands out to me is Connor Phillips. You have him all the way up uh, to number three here in your midseason update. I think he was, what, like around like 14 or something. Most people had him around that range going into the season. Uh, he's obviously taking a, a huge leap for, for your rankings. What do you see in Connor Phillips? That, and he was the, uh, uh, the player to be named later in the, the Winker Suarez trade. Yeah, so I think this is a bit twofold. Um, number one, I, I do think that he has improved this year versus where he was when he was acquired. Uh, you know, he's throwing a little bit harder on a consistent basis. Not really topping out any higher, but just where he's sitting is it's 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 up a tick. Um, I, I really really like his breaking ball. Now, the one rub against Connor Phillips is that you know he does struggle at times throwing strikes, and we've we've really seen that the last couple of starts in Double A. Um, but you know, I, I think the part of the jump for him also is that you know this is just me speaking. I think the farm system's down a little bit. Uh, you know, we the Reds have had some graduations, which cleared up some spots. But you know, I, I think that a lot of the guys that he jumped over, they're just having kind of mediocre, okay-ish seasons. Okay, uh, the next guy I uh, wanted to touch on, um, uh, Brandon Williamson at at five. Uh, kind of had an up and down season is that kind of fair to say I mean I feel like he's had some had a rough start to the year looked good for a while kind of has has, has struggled a little bit uh what's your kind of thoughts on him right now I, mean, I, I think you nailed it I, I think that it's just been a very inconsistent season for him now I've still got him ranked fairly high because you know if you if you look at everything you can see where everything's there and his track record before this season was pretty good so, you know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, at least for now, that, you know, he's going to figure it out. Now, obviously, this is happening at, happening at you know, double-A, triple-A, and, you know, this it's new to triple-A this year for him. He, he did not pitch there uh, previously, so, you know, you're going to have to make some different kind of adjustments there. But, uh, you know, I, I just, one, again, I think the farm, farm system is down. Two, some guys ahead of him have graduated. But I, I do think that there you can still see all the pieces that are there that made him a top 100 prospect last offseason. All right. And then uh, could you see him making a start with the big league club this year? I mean, I, I think that it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, I think that a big part that could play into that is, you know, are Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley still Cincinnati Reds on August 5th? If they're not, then, I mean, realistically, Williamson is what? An injury away, a spot start neater, needed away from getting called up. I mean, AAA isn't exactly overflowing with starting pitching options right now. Yeah, doubleheader, something like that. Okay. Um, Alan Serta, this is a guy that's that's kind of been flying up. Uh, incredible power numbers. Uh, the average, Carlos, I know we've kind of uh, done our prospect updates, has been concerned about his average. What's your, kind of your, your thoughts on where he's at? Uh, just got promoted to Chattanooga. It's going to be a really, really exciting lineup. Yeah, uh, you know, Alan Serta is, I, I love watching him play. He, he's a very fiery player. He's very flashy. He does everything very well, except for make contact, which in turn means he doesn't hit for much average. Uh, I think his, his strikeout rate is like 34% this season. It's not good. Um, 
Now, I, I think that probably limits him to being a quality bench player slash maybe starter sometimes when you don't have a, a, a different, better option. Um, you know, he walks a ton, but he strikes out a ton. And I, I think that when you do that in the minors, it's not the same as being, let's just say, like an Adam Dunn in the big leagues. It's very different. Uh, big league pitchers generally aren't going to let you get away with that. Um, but I think that he does everything else so well that it's hard to see him not being a quality fourth outfielder um, who, you know, in, in some circumstances might be a guy that starts 50 or 60 times a year. All right. One more thing for me, and then we'll uh, get into a couple questions here, rapid fire and get you out of here. Uh, who's a player maybe that, that people who kind of follow the prospect list, at least, you know, kind of casually, maybe that we don't know about that you think we should know about? I'd say the guy that really catches my eye a lot is Carlos Jorge. He's down in Arizona right now. Uh, you know, He was the best hitter on the Dominican Summer League Reds last year. He's hitting really well in Arizona this year. He's a bit undersized. So, you know, he he wasn't a quote-unquote big-time prospect when he signed. I say that. He got a pretty good signing bonus. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is for uh, a few different reasons. But uh, he, he did get a very quality signing bonus. But, you know, he, he's like five foot nine. But, I mean, he's he's put together. He, he He's very strong, very quick bat. Uh, you know, he's a middle infielder um, playing a lot more second base this year than shortstop, but you know, it's not, I, I think it's because they've got multiple other quality shortstop options down in Arizona right now. I, I think that he's one of the guys to really keep an eye on if you're just more of a, a casual uh, prospect follower. Um, and I, I feel like it'd be silly for me to not mention Ricardo Cabrera. I think that uh, if you're a hardcore follower, you know who that is. If not, he was the top signing internationally uh, back in January by the Reds. You know, one scout that I talked to thought that he was a top player in the entire international signing class this year. He had a really, really tough month of June. Struck out like 19 times and like 50-something at-bats. Uh, he's been killing the ball in July. He's got like four strikeouts this entire month so far. Um, really big-time tools in just – it was almost like the you know flipped on a light when the, when the calendar flipped. And he's just been crushing the ball. So – um, I, I don't think that he'll make it stateside this year, but given the tools and the, the absolutely quick, massively different turnaround that he's shown in the last month, really, really like to, you know, say, keep an eye on that guy. All right. Awesome. Let's uh, run through a couple questions here. Carrick asks, will Joe Boyle uh, join Ellie De La Cruz in Chattanooga? I think that it's possible. I don't think it's going to happen right now. I, I think that the Reds do like, the strides that Joe Boyle has made with his control this year, uh, but it's still very bad control. Um, you know, he he's still walking. I want to say like six batters per nine innings pitched. Um, you know, he had a start. I don't know if it's two starts ago or three starts ago, but he walked like six batters with one strikeout in like two innings. Um, if you send a guy like that to Double A and you're Hitters are better there. They get the strike zone a lot better. They're not going to chase it. You know, even no matter how good his breaking ball is, they're not all going to chase it out of the zone like they would in a, in a ball. I, I think that it just makes more sense to keep him there until he, you know, takes that next step, whatever it happens to be 
whenever it happens to be with his control. I think that right now, asking him to throw four or five innings in double A, that, I feel like that'd be a big ask given his control issues. All right, why is uh, Jose Barrero not included on your list? So this is where things get weird because all these prospect lists kind of have their own different criteria as to who is eligible. Like right now, Jose Barrero is eligible on Baseball America's list. He doesn't show up on many other lists because you know there's three things that make someone quote-unquote a prospect. All of them revolve around being rookie of the year eligible for the next season. It's 50 at-bats in the big leagues. Or, I'm sorry, 50 innings in the big leagues, 130 at-bats, neither of which he has. He's not a pitcher. Of course, he didn't have 50 innings pitch. Uh, the other one is 45 days on the active roster. Some places take the time to count up those days. Some places don't. He's got exactly 45 days. He's not a prospect anymore. Baseball America doesn't count those days. They just go by innings pitched and at-bats. So that's why he shows up on that list and not on a lot of others. That makes sense. Uh, thoughts on Matt McLean and his strikeout rate. Uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Juan is worried that he is no more than a utility player. I mean, you don't like to see the strikeouts from a guy who was coming out of college touted as having a very great hit tool. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing that Matt McLean had going for him is that he had a very good hit tool, you know, solid power. Maybe he can play shortstop. If not, you know, second base, third base, that's fine. Maybe he can move into center. Uh, but he's striking out over 30% of the time this year. Not really what you want to see out of him. Um, you know, if if he does wind up being a utility player, I think there's plenty of value there because, again, I do think that he can play shortstop, second base, third base, center field. Um, you know, he he's going to walk a decent amount of the time because he gets the strike zone. And he's got – I think he's shown more pop than, you know, people expected him to. Now, some of that may be in Chattanooga. It's, it's a little bit hitter-friendly for a ballpark, but uh, – you know, Sounds I, I, like a Kyle Farmer in the making, if you ask me. Yes, and we, we know how much Carlos loves Kyle Farmer. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, if that's if that's going to be the outcome for Matt McClain, there's nothing wrong with that. That there, There's plenty of value to be had in a guy that can play four, four or five different positions and give you a quality at that, even if they're only going to hit, you know, 230 or 240, assuming, of course, they, you know, get on base along with those, those uh, I guess, with that low average. Uh, Carrick asks, will any of the uh, Arizona guys get promoted to Daytona? I, you'll probably see a few of them. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be anybody who's, quote-unquote, a big-time prospect. Um, the, you know, in Arizona, you know, you've got bigger rosters. You can manage playing time better. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier with Cam Collier, you know, those guys are that are being brought in that, you know, are the new graphics, they're not going to play every day right out of the gate. So you, you need to have, you know, an everyday shortstop that can go out there and, you know, back up your pitchers, you know, instead of putting, you know, a second baseman over at shortstop who lets routine ground balls get by them because they're not really a shortstop. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's tough to say because it all depends on exactly how the Reds want to handle the roster. Um, and then, you know, of course, injuries – performance, those things matter too. And maybe all of that changes in three weeks. Somebody could go out and pull an Ellie De La Cruz and hit 410 and slug 900 over the next two weeks. And, you know, they decide, hey, we can't keep this kid here anymore. DJ asks, is it fair to say the Reds development staff prioritizes stuff over control? And I'm guessing this is probably uh, some of the the, ma- the major league roster, uh, some of the, the Joe Boyle types and and my guy Richie Karcher, who is uh, very fascinating to me at a uh, Triple A. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that everybody in the organization is on, on board with that, but I do think that some people are. I don't think there's necessarily something wrong with that. I think that there are limits, of course. You, you need a good mixture of stuff and control. And the more stuff you have, the less control you need to get away with it. Um, if you're throwing, you know, 92 miles per hour and you don't have incredible movement with it, then you better be able to locate it. If you're throwing 103, you can get away with it a little bit more. Um, now, if, if you're looking at the draft this year, you know, I, I think that you can see some guys where, yeah, there's there's guys that they took that don't seem to have much control at all, but they've got real stuff. And so, you know, it's one of those things where maybe you feel you can teach control a little bit better than you can improve a guy's stuff. Um, now, how true that is, I think that probably depends on the player. Um, for, for one reason or another, some guys, you know, they can improve their control. Some guys can't, or at least they can't to the point that they need to, uh, while also maintaining their stuff. A couple questions about Austin Hendrick. He's not on your list. Uh, I just saw him several times. He played in every game. Looked pretty rough from from what I saw. You know, looked overmatched at times. I thought his defense was pretty good. I was kind of surprised at at, at uh, how solid of a, a right field he played. What do you, what do you think about Hendrick? Uh, so let's. I'll start with the defense. That is one of the things that you know, speaking to scouts this year, that they've noticed too. Uh, his defense is much better this year than it was last year. Uh, you know, he he did he got in better shape this offseason. So, you know, he, he's, he, he put in the work, and, you know, that side of his game has improved. Now, why he's not on my prospect list, personally, you can't strike out 40% of the time in a ball and continue being on a prospect list. Um, that's just way too much. You, you cannot be a big leaguer striking out that much. It's, just, it's not going to happen. He, he would need to cut his strikeouts by 25% from where they are now to just be considered very poor in making contact. Yeah. Well, we hope you can turn it around. Uh, we'll do one more last question here uh, from Jim. Will Ellie De La Cruz be the future shortstop, or do you think they'll want to move him to a different position? Assuming he doesn't outgrow the position, I think they want him at the position. Now, fortunately, you know, shortstops generally, if, if they can hit, they can play pretty much anywhere else on the field. So if for whatever reason he outgrows the position – Third base is an option. Second base is an option. He's got the speed. Maybe center field could be an option, depending on, again, how much he grows. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the Reds want him at shortstop. But he's not their only option there either. You know, they've still got Jose Barrero in AAA, who whatever's going on there, he needs to figure it out. Um, you know, same thing for Matt McClain. Now, he's on the injured list in AA right now, but he's expected back soon. Uh, you know, if, if Ellie passes them up, hey, that's their problem then. Um, they, they, they have their opportunities and, you know, sometimes somebody's just better than you. Uh, so we'll, we'll see Barrero, how Barrero projects as the best defensive shortstop though, right now. Right. Yes. I, I would put them Barrero gap, De La Cruz gap, and then Matt McLean. Uh, I, I think that McLean can play shortstop, but if you've got a better option, you're going to go with that. And that's, that's not a, a dig at Matt McClain necessarily. I think that he would be a below average shortstop, but somebody who can play there every day and wouldn't really, you wouldn't notice it if somebody didn't tell you about it. Um, he's just not a guy that's going to stand out defensively at a position. Whereas I think that Jose Barrero definitely could. Uh, whereas in Ellie, you know, he's got an absolute cannon and he's got better range than Matt McClain does too. 
Imagine being a kid and like three, four years from now going to a Reds and Pirates game, looking over at shortstop. You're like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm never going to be able to play shortstop in the big no, leagues. <laughs> no, no, but you know, six foot two, and you're like the shortest dude in the history of the shortstops. Like, what's what's going on here? Used to be like, you know, Cal Ripken was the complete like crazy outlier at six foot four at shortstop. Now you're kind of like, yeah, that that's how big everybody is. Well, very good. Well, Doug, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks, everyone, for all the questions. Uh, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, good conversation there. You can find Doug Gray at RedsMinorLeagues.com and Red Lake Nation, of course. Uh, Doug, you want to shout out anything else, anything you're working on here before we get you out of here? No, no. Find me at those places. <laughs> Stuff up every day, every single day. Doug's working on getting some sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going to bed in about six hours, Carlos. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Take Thanks. care, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, so that was Doug Gray. Uh, what's your thoughts uh, on the draft, Carlos? No need for it to be three days. What the hell is going on? They got to drag it out. I, I kind of like they took that shortstop from uh, Texas. He's probably really... The only guy I saw the whole time play, he struck out a lot too, but uh, he's got some potential there. He already carries himself like a big leaguer, so that's kind of what I was excited about when I first saw him at the beginning of this year. Very good. All right, well let's uh, let's talk about the big league club. We did get some questions. We'll we'll uh, we'll get to those here in just a second. Uh, so the Reds get to the uh, All Star break. Uh, in fifth place, just a half game behind the Cubs. Those those pesky Cubs just keep keep uh, uh, barely outpacing our Reds. Uh, Carlos, so obviously, you know, not the first half we we all wanted. Um, what are you looking forward to most here in the uh, the second half of the season? Um, I guess kind of figuring out the direction that the organization is going to go with. Number one, see what they're going to do, what they're going to trade, who they're going to get. I think that'll kind of give us a picture of what to expect next year and you know maybe the year afterwards but um you know just the development the, the continued growth of those three starting um pitchers because you know they they each have a lot a lot to grow on so that's that's what i'm most excited to see um then jonathan india i kind of really like to see a good second half from him to go into next year, something to be positive about. I mean, I think if, you know, Joey can come back and, and be healthy, um, see him play well, obviously, that would be nice. But I don't know. There's there's a lot of different things, to, you know, you could we could pick apart and look at and, and want to, you know, kind of be excited for. Yeah, I mean, the, the, how the play of India and Senzel and then, you know, the young starters, I mean, that's going to really probably determine how enjoyable the second half is or, or, or not. I mean, I, you know, I don't don't even necessarily think, you know, the Reds necessarily have to, you know, play really well or play even 500 baseball. But if those guys are playing well, I think it would, it would definitely, um, I hate to use the word positive momentum because it got so like, uh, (laughs) this is like a, this is like a minor league season now. Like the wins and losses don't matter. Yeah, you just want to see these players develop and have good individual success, and you know, mixing a cool story here and there. Yeah. All right. So 
Luis Castillo uh, pitched last night at the All-Star game, uh, pitched brilliantly, has just been pitching out of this world. The last four starts, a ERA of 1.00. Carlos, what are you seeing out of Luis Castillo right now that's just making him so dominant? It's just a, a man that knows what he wants to do with a baseball. With every pitch, you know, it's every pitch is stung with conviction. He's got a plan, and he's just, he's on a mission just to prove how good he is, and you know, and what he's and what he's worth. Yeah. Uh, latest trade rumors. Uh, if you're watching, you can see there's a lot of teams. I mean, pretty much any team that is in contention is uh, um, interested in Castillo. I think the Astros were the new one that I saw this week that wasn't on there before. Seems like probably the Yankees are the front runners. Uh, I actually saw a betting site had something on it that had the Yankees as the uh, the front uh, runners on everybody. Yeah, well, I feel like especially with Castillo, just because they have a bigger need for pitching than the other elite teams. I feel, um, um, and and then you know having <laughs> having Matt Carpenter publicly say bring us this guy. Like, have you ever heard? Yeah, have you ever heard that, that before? No, no. After the game, Matt Carpenter, you know, Matt Carpenter played for the Cardinals for, you know, forever and has faced Castillo a lot, said that that was the best he's ever seen Luis Castillo look, which, I mean, it tracks based on the way he's pitching. And then he said, yeah, I really hope we uh, we trade for him. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was uh, that was something. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we'll be, you know, watching this closely. they're going to trade him, right? I mean, I, I, I feel like it's – it's. I would be absolutely stunned if they did not trade him. I have no idea, man. I I would think that they are. I would lean they, they are, I guess, if I was betting. But it would be a tough decision to lay down money on either side because – So you, you, think don't, a, you think there's a chance they keep him? Yeah, I don't know what the hell these <laughs> ownership and crawls going to do. You can't, there's no way that we can trust anything that they've said. So I'm like, I think they're going to do this, but I'm not going to spend too much money on it. Well, they, they in fairness, they actually have not said anything about what they're doing with Castillo. So uh, well, yeah. that, it's just all, that's all speculation. But yeah, yeah, I, I would be, I would be shocked. I think I may be, I think I'm probably more confident that, that Malibu would you be mad? Traded. Would I be mad if the Reds did not trade Luis Castillo? Yeah. That's a yes. That's I a would, yes. I would be disappointed. I mean, you know, you got to see what what else is out there. Um, you know, I, I there's you know different directions things could go. You know, do they not get enough of an offer? I just I can't see any way like they get a bigger offer in the off season. Uh, I don't see any way how they're going to be to, they're going to choose to spend enough to make. 2023 competitive enough to to warrant keeping him and i don't think he's a good good guy to sign at 31 years old to a six seven year deal so yeah i mean i don't (laughs) none of those paths really shake out for me so yeah i would i would be pretty disappointed um the second question on him for you do you think he's gonna have a better back half of his career than johnny cueto equal or worse because I think he projects to have a better one. Well, I would. I don't think Quaid really had a great, great back end of his career. Um, 
I mean, I think he'll probably pitch well again. But when Steven Strasburg was signed to an extension, like they wouldn't think he was gonna never pitch again. You know, that's what. Here's, I, I don't know the best way to say this, but I'll I'll do my best here. You can either keep Castillo and try to extend him, which again, we also one thing you gotta mention here is we have no idea if extending Luis Castillo is even a realistic possibility. None of us know. Uh, so, I mean, if of course, I, I'm sure anyone would agree that if anyone reasonable would agree, if, if Luis Castillo has made it pretty clear that there's no way the Reds are going to be able to extend him, like, then you have to trade him, right? Like, so that's, Maybe he doesn't even want to be here. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying that's a possibility. I have absolutely no idea. But let's assume like there's a, a realistic chance. Here's, here's how I, I view it. If you, you trade Luis Castillo and you get prospects that you think are really good and none of them pan out, like it's like the Johnny Cueto trade and they're all, they all are, are busts, yeah, it stinks, but, you know, it, you're, not, you're not having a bad contract. If you sign Luis Castillo and it, it, it you know, turns out to be a, a, a bad contract, you know, like... Uh, you know, like some of these other pitchers like Strasburg or David Price or, you know, the list goes on and on. The Reds aren't going to spend their way out of it. So the, you're looking at like another like rebuild. So that that's kind of where where I kind of get, you know, um, I just, you know, scared off of it. I just I don't see a way that it makes sense for the Reds that that risking that much for the Reds. Um just because if it and if it flops, man, and honestly, the Reds, I mean, for the most part, the players that they haven't extended, <laughs> that seems like the one thing they've probably done right. You know, there hasn't been many guys that they've let go that have, you know, really gone on to have these big illustrious careers. And you're like, oh man, they should have kept him, right? I mean, like that's they've had some bad returns, um, that's for sure. Um, they made some bad signings, but. The players they haven't, you know, gone, uh, uh, haven't haven't extended. You know, most part looks pretty good, but we'll see. Well, when when if Luis Castillo is traded, we'll try to get an emergency show up. Uh, <laughs> so we'll just uh, uh, stay tuned on that. All right, let's look at kind of the rest of the uh, the upcoming free agents and what whatnot. We've kind of talked to, talked about this a little bit for, before. Um, I feel like some things have changed a little bit. You know, Donovan Solano has been playing really, really well. So that's maybe ch- changed my mind a little bit on him. Um, I I feel like Luis Castillo is the one definite. Do you think there's any definites? You still think Tommy Pham's a definite? He's going to get traded? Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, not just because I don't really care for the guy, but what's the point of keeping him around for what? Yeah, I would say Castillo and probably Brandon Drury is probably pretty close to a definite. You you feel kind of the same with him? Uh, Brandon Drury, I'm kind of, I think it's more hopeful, but maybe they might try to offer him a little, an extra year or two maybe, because that's what you're going to be looking for in the offseason, right? Is Brandon yeah. Drury? Yeah. Hey, what's what's $2 million? It, 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 I guess it, it depends what teams are offering for him really. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, it's not going to be what a fringe prospect. 
I don't know. I went on a uh, a Guardians po- podcast, and they were the, the guy was thinking like, yeah, maybe we'd give up like uh, uh, the ten to twenty range, and I was like, they have a really good system too. <laughs> so I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess just it just depends what he's. Uh, yeah, Hunter what, Strickland. Nobody's taking him. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think the next step, the next group. I mean, I think I think Naquin Solano. Um, Mally for sure. Uh, Farmer. I think those guys are. Um, the Reds would. I, I would put them in the group that I think the Reds would like to move, but they don't feel they have to. Um, I don't know. Tyler Naquin. Kind of. I kind of think you probably have to move him. I, I just you know I I don't see like an extension with him or anything. I think Tony has yeah. been an awesome pickup. Um, but I, I, wh- why would you want to give him at bats in, in August and September? You know, I just, I don't, right. I don't necessarily see that. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, Jeff Hoffman actually, uh, on the guardians podcast, I was asked about him. I was like, I mean, I guess someone would offer something substantial, but the, I don't think the Reds are going to be just giving away bullpen arms at this point. Like, any able-bodied person they they're gonna want to throw innings so um that's like the one area i think they they'd prefer to just to keep a guy that 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 you know they don't even necessarily see in their future plans just to (laughs) survive this season yeah all right so let's uh let's run through the pitching first uh i want i want you carlos uh give me your uh most impressive pitcher and uh, maybe you're most disappointed as well so far this season the most impressive I mean Luis has been the best but it's kind of expected so I'd say probably Graham Ashcraft's been the most impressive um, I really didn't expect a whole lot from him. Um, I'm still kind of, you know, iffy about him. Whenever you know players or teams start seeing him, you know, multiple times through. Um, but what he's done so far has been great. Um, kind of disappointed with Hunter Green. I thought that we would get a little bit more consistency out of him um i thought his changeup would be used a whole lot more than what it has um i don't know but at the same time I mean, he's very very young but i still with all the with all the buzz and, and everything i thought we would get a better rookie performance out of him um we'll see how he how he ends up yeah i was surprised that ashcraft's been the best of the three young rookie pitchers um He's been impressive. I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm starting the first game of the second half. You know, I'm very interested to see, you know, what he looks like as teams kind of get more film on him, get more comfortable with him. So I was, yeah, probably, probably between him and then Alexis Diaz has just been, you know, absolutely electric and, uh, you know, really feel good about his um, um, his long-term, you know, uh, chances with the team. Um, I don't know, maybe most disappointed. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily disappointed with Hunter Green just because he's, yeah, I mean, he's only he's only 22, or no, yeah, 22. I mean, he's just he's so young. It is, uh, but at the same time, it was like all the hype and you know all the guys that have been 
having yeah. Ike have done well. But there's not not that age though. There's not many that there's not many yeah, that have done really. it. There's only like Still five. Only like five pitchers that have like fifty innings. I think that are are that age or younger this year. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I, maybe I'm just you know too too nice on that. But I, I guess being most disappointed probably is honestly like Sessa. You know, I thought he was going to be at least a really quality kind of not necessarily an innings eater, but maybe like whatever the next step of that is. You know, and uh, hasn't been able to provide any quality innings. I know he's been hurt as well. So, yeah. All right, let's move on to the offense. Um, I mean, I guess the most impressive um, is, is probably pretty obvious here, right? Uh, Brandon Drury. I mean, Tyler Stevenson as well. I mean, you know, has been really, really good as well. Um, any any other, like, most impressive on your, your list? Uh, no, sir. <laughs> All right. And who's who's been your <laughs> actually Nixon's hell as of late? Yeah, yeah, impressive. Yeah, I mean, still an eighty-one waiter is crunch your bus on the season. <laughs> um, but but he has been really really good of late, and a good healthy second half from Nixon Zell would go a long way to making a lot of us feel a lot better about things. Yeah. Uh, most disappointed. I mean. I know Joey's had a disappointing first half, but coming into the year, I mean, I didn't know what to expect out of him. Like, I, I thought he would hit well, um, and I know he's looked better of late too. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd put him as like my most. I, mean, I think it's India for me. Just you know, rookie of the year. Only has a seventy-six weighters plus. I have no idea how he has you know worse. Um, um, wins above replacement than than Joey with. I just I can't believe how bad his defense is. Like I, I I'm disappointed there hasn't been any improvement there. Uh, and I'm, I I think there's got to be some conversations yeah. about you know moving him to third base or um or something. I mean I don't think in, in the middle of the season, but yeah I mean I again I really hope that he has a big second half. Another thing that would really kind of make us you know feel better you know going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'd say my biggest disappointment is Joey, just because, you know, knowing how motivated he was and how, you know, he was just looking forward to it so much. And he said he was, you know, expecting big numbers. And we all know he's not just talking when he says that stuff. Um, And then, you know, the whole bat situation, you know, that messed with him for a while. And then, you know, getting COVID and then. It's just his back. It's just just one a good half. Hopefully, you know he can get some rest, um, heal that back up, and finish strong. And you know that way we can pencil him in the lineup for next year. Yeah. All right. So here is what is ahead for the Reds. Uh, they're going to go with Ashcraft, Miner, and Mally. Uh, your boys will be down at Great American Ballpark this weekend. So if you dare, come say say hello. We'll. We'll take a selfie with you. If for Come some, buy me a beer. Buy Car- bastards. Buy Carlos a beer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, how ex- how ecstatic are you about... Have you ever seen Mike Miner pitch in person? I haven't. <laughs> no, I think I have. I think I saw him pitch for the Braves like back in like 2014. Odds are I probably won't. Because <laughs> I know there's going to be several... 
you know, folks coming to the game Saturday. So we'll probably be doing a lot of walking around the concourse. Well, Stephen Mass is having a rough year too. So uh, that there might be, go. maybe that'll be a, a, a 10, nine win for the red legs. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure I saw Mike minor. I, I know I went and, to a, a four game sweep. I went to every single game. So I'm assuming he probably pitched one of those games. And Friday, uh, Andy Sabo. Yeah. Rex back season. Them. Yeah. Uh, and then we did get a question that I did want to kind of get as we're kind of looking through the schedule here. Uh, Friday through Sunday are set in stone. The rest is just how Fangrass filled it out. I I have a feeling the Reds might push uh, Luis Castillo um, back to Wednesday and have Green and Lodolo go first. Kind of gives them more time to potentially trade him before he has to start again. Um, I mean, at this point in the season, if, if you are indeed looking to trade someone... Uh, you don't really like seeing them pitch um, because, you know, if that's your goal, they get hurt. There's, you know, trade trade deadlines in like 12 days. So there's not enough time to go on the IL and come back. So um, how nervous are you going to be every uh, I, inning that he throws? Uh, I was terrified listening to the radio on my way back from the Dragons <laughs> game when he was like at 105 pitches or whatever. Oh, gosh, you probably have to pull over. That would be worse than any loss this year if he got hurt. That would be a million times worse. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, Jackson asked. I mean, I, I I would say it's, I mean, he wouldn't have started probably till Sunday. I don't think typically a guy that pitches in the All-Star game usually starts until Sunday. I mean, I know they kind of call it like a bullpen. I don't know. You could speak more to that than me. I don't, I don't see many guys that pitch in the All-Star game starting on Friday or Saturday, right? No, I don't think so. No, because it's definitely more than a bullpen. Yeah. And then, been warming up. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm sure Mally probably on Sunday was strategically placed as well. Um, Does he? Have, did he go on the IL? Yeah, he was on the IL with the, um, you know, I don't know, fatigue or whatever. I think it was a, you know, just a get right IL, um, yeah, situation. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I again, if if Luis is pushed back to Wednesday and he does make that start. Um, it's not often that pitchers are traded like four days before the trade deadline. So, I mean, he probably will make one more start, but if it's Wednesday, that would be it because there's not enough, you know, unless they're bumping someone out of the six man rotation and having a pitch the day before the trade deadline, which would be <laughs> wild. But, uh, yeah, kind of feels like almost the Cubs last year. Remember, we were watching that Cubs series. And like oh, uh, yeah. and they were trading everyone. We're, we're, gone, the, we're, we're on the opposite end. Opposite end. Um, let's get through a couple questions here. We can get some good questions. We're kind of bouncing around because we had we had Doug on uh, favorite destination for Castillo or Mali. Maybe the Twins. That's kind of an interesting one. I would love for either one of those guys to go to uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, more. Like the Twins or the Guardians or the Blue Jays or, you know, maybe not. Or the Padres. The Padres. Uh, I'll, I'll say it and probably get uh, booted from my own show, but uh, if I could pick where Luis Castillo would go, it would be the Cardinals. Uh, take some of their prospects. that kill two birds with one stone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're you're so, out of here. Take, take their prospects. kidding me? The Reds are competing this year. Take their prospects. They can, yeah, make you them. You know the Cardinals make them will sign them long term. Nah, the Cardinals don't sign pitchers long term. 
Oh my gosh, you just. I, although I did ask that question, who I asked Clay, I think it was. <laughs> I was just trying to get uh, Twitter going, but nobody bit. <laughs> I would love it. I'm all for it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and then Justin Dunn's still hanging out there. He's going to make another start after the. Um, I really want to see him pitch. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. You know, any 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 new pitcher with upside is exciting at this stage of the season. Um, but yeah, we got some good 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 conversation in the chat with some some different offers. We won't get into all that. Uh, but the trade deadline is um, uh, August second, and it's at six p.m., which is just I feel like they did it intentionally so it'd be right during you know like dinner time with the kids, which I feel like is really rude. So, uh, Nick Crawl, if you're listening, which I know you tune in every week, try to get some trades done before my kids get home from daycare so I can kind of get in on it. All right. I would really, really, really appreciate that. Hey, Carrick's with me. Carrick likes, likes to do the Cardinals. Oh, here you go. Here you go, Carlos. To the Mariners. Oh, <laughs> my Mariners, baby. Time to rise up. Like that, that, like the Giants, you know, like just taking all the extra and the Nationals back in the day, they had like a whole. The whole red steam. Hey, you know what we need in, in the uh, World Series is Cardinals or not Cardinals, uh, Mariners, Dodgers, just for the good the 4K video they provide from their stadiums. Yeah, but they, they don't have home team broadcast in the World Series. Oh shit, you're right. I, I never think mind. The, Edit that out. I think I think <laughs> Fo- I think Fox did it in 4K though last year. Did they? I think, I think Fox did like the LCS. You're right, because the, the All-Star game was on in yeah, 4K. Yeah, so I think we'll get some 4K. Let's go ahead and edit that out, will you? Yeah, let's edit it out on the live show. That'll work. All right, uh, last thing here, the schedule. Um, any series you're looking forward to coming up, Carlos? Uh, this one this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see the Orioles next week. You know, they're they're kind of been a fun team that's been playing well. Um, they got cool uniforms. I wish it was there. I would I would love to kind of you know watch a game at Camden Yards. It's a cool stadium. But yeah, looking forward to that. All right. Well, Carlos, you got any other fine words of wisdom on this this Wednesday? No, I don't. Um, other than you know, we'll be at the games this weekend. Hit us up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You guys want to have a beer um before or after the game? We'll be hanging out, baby. All right, very good. All right. Well, again, want to make sure we mention Black River Baseball Cards. Thanks for your support of Late Night Reds Talk Live. Head on over to their website, Black River Baseball Cards or BlackRiverCards.ecreator.com. Uh, check them out. Uh, tell them that Late Night Reds Talk sent you. Late Night Reds Talk, as always, is presented by Bet Online. Uh, if you have a minute, take a chance to go uh, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, wherever the heck you get podcasts, we would really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back uh, next week after the Reds and Marlins get it on, and uh, we'll be real close to the trade deadline. And uh, like we said earlier, any massive news breaks, we'll try to get the merchants to show up for you. So for Carlos, I'm Nick. Have a great week. Happy 69th episode.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.